हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज कथक का चक्कर माय नेम इज प्रमित एंड दिस प्लेस इज डिजाइन टू बी अ सेंट्रल प्लेटफॉर्म टू ब्रिंग कॉन्वर्सेशंस विद कथकर्स अक्रॉस द ग्लोब ऑलवेज हैज बीन डांसिंग फॉर ओवर थर्टी इयर्स having toured across the US and Canada with a primary training and guru Shrimati Anjani Ambegaokar in recent years she continues to learn kathak under vidushi shrimati durga arya ji and has extensive tal vidya studies under pandit divyang vakil ji as much as she loves to dance and tour after about a 5 to 6 year hiatus to raise her own children smita's current aspiration is to share the beautiful tradition with others to emphasize the value and relevance of indian classical dance in society today since 2015 smita di runs her own kathak school bhakti bhav dance teaching classes to all ages of students across orange county california Kathak is the school's platform to nurture and encourage students to appreciate musicality, movement, rhythms, self-expression, discipline and the richness of the cultural history which Kathak stems from. Smita di especially loves seeing the students become more confident and self-sufficient dancers who can take what they learn and apply it in their own way and in their own expression. She hopes to help students and audiences alike find joy through the experience of kathak dance and now we go into the interview so smita bhi how are you i'm wonderful how are you uh i'm doing great and um yeah thanks for coming on and i guess just wanted just to start off with smita bhi um you know your school is called bhakti bhav dance and why so I, i'm very curious why do you call it bhakti what does that word mean to you Sure. So I think, you know, once I really started connecting with Kathak, as um, probably any artist would say, it was really a soul connection. And so much of Kathak is devotional and spiritual. And so I felt like my favorite way of connecting to dance was to think of it as an offering and so bhakti is is really like my devotion to the art and my devotion to god um when i dance and so i felt like bhakti bhav kind of captured my experience of kathak and dancing and that's what i want to convey when i when i perform as well as kind of create that same feeling for students when they're dancing Okay and um so it's when you talk about it being kathak being an offering and in terms of the traditional pieces which i think of like say the vandana or the stuti and those were mm-hmm. the ones that would be the more traditional say offerings because that's an offering to deity and when you're saying it's an offering um are there other ways that offering manifests itself as you teach and perform kathak you know i think for me even the toras and tukras which have no specific deity that they're presented for can also be an offering to me the dance itself like every time i try to do anything whether it's riyaz or perform or teach it's mm-hmm. coming from that place of like where is my heart right now and what what is the feeling behind what i'm trying to do here and so for me it doesn't have to be about the composition itself but just mm-hmm. my feeling associated with dance like i find the greatest joy when i don't think about attention on me when i don't think about the criticisms when i don't think about how it's going but it's just an offering like it is what it is yeah and when you think of offering because this concept is new to me the reason i ask you more about this is cuz i i am like 2 years into kathak i do my practice just to keep up with it so that my teacher doesn't see that I, that i've making progress so that's where i'm at my journey but for you when you are offering it is there someone you keep in mind or like a higher power you do it how what is it when what is it for you internally yeah so i would say it's like a higher power i don't have there's no specific form but mm-hmm. it's like 
to me, you know, I do without going maybe too deeply into religion, like my personal and spiritual belief is that that divinity is present in all of us. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not dancing for myself. I'm dancing for that divinity. And I think when I put it in that sense, like even just doing a simple hastak, um, even holding utpati, like it takes a different feeling because it's taking me out of it. And now it's like almost like just for the sake of joy because you're giving it. It's for someone else as a gift. And I, I find that that like I'm less critical on on myself about it. I can enjoy it for the process as opposed to feeling like there's this end goal of like having to hit each beat perfectly and for me, that was my way of finding the joy because, you know, I'm a teacher and a dancer, but I have to be honest, like, I don't love performing. Like, that mm -hmm. doesn't draw me to, it's a very personal experience for me. Like, so that was how I could maybe even reconcile with the fact that this is a performing art, but I don't, mm -hmm. I don't thrive on performing for others. So, so as I'm talking with you, I'm just kind of thinking about like, how did it come that way? And I think mm -hmm. once I felt like it, it was more of an offering to this divine mm. person, then it took some of that pressure off of me. And then I felt like, well, then I should do it wholeheartedly and with joy. Understood. Understood. So you, um, yeah. And so, so, I, so I understand like when you, what, what you, from what I understand, you said that instead of thinking of it as a performing art, you think of it as an offering to someone and that helps you relate with that. And since you mentioned you're a teacher, as you teach Kathak to your kids, uh, Svitali, how do you impart the, the offering aspect of it along with, say, the technical aspects and those teachings? Yeah, so, you know, it's it's a little tricky because that's such a personal experience mm. and spirituality is so personal. So I can't make students have that experience, but I, exactly. I, I want them to experience that there is a joy to just... Um, you know, like even if you're reciting a tukra or a tihai, it's a dialogue. You're not just reciting bowls. There's a conversation happening. And that, you know, sometimes like an exercise I'll do with my students, and I did this last year because we were virtual. So I was like, how do I engage them since we're on Zoom? Like, how do I make them feel like they're doing something? And we took a, a tora and I said, I want you to dance it but tell me what story you're showing through this. Um, and it was just bold, you know, there was no, there were no lyrics. It was just a tukra. So I said, tell me the story that you're showing through your movements. So mm -hmm. I want them to find their own path. And I think by connecting that way, like if they're looking at a movement and they're saying, oh, I'm looking at all these beautiful flowers in the field and birds, or even though it's just normal hastaks, we don't have to be showing that through the mudras, but, but then they'll connect to it. They'll see the beauty in it. Hmm. Okay. So, so when we're doing even just hastaks, even just riyas in class, juckers, I'm always trying to see if the students can find a way to connect with the movement. I mean, for me, that is spirituality when you're fully present in that moment. Understood. Uh, and since we're talking about like, Say teaching and being connected. Um, like, could you give us a background about your academy? How many students you have? How long it's been going for? And then we'll go into something from there. Absolutely, sure. So I'm this. I'm like about five years into teaching, and um, I have about seventy students right now. And I have. Um, I'm in Orange County here in California, so I teach at three different cities and rent studios, and and that's kind of how I get by. Um, I teach all ages, and since it's still a new school, I'm you know growing the levels and and the batches that I have. Um, I was never planning to teach or like actually pursue a career in Kathak. Mm -hmm. So it just, you know, it just kind of started off with one of my friends that I used to dance with. Her friends uh, 
they wanted their kids to learn and they're in Southern California. So it kind of just started very organically and, mm-hmm. and I started teaching one class and slowly over five years, it's kind of brought me to this point mm-hmm. um, and forced me to really think about like, this is a big responsibility to, mm-hmm. to teach and like, what, what is my goal? You know, it's a, it's obviously a passion and it is a business, but what is my goal for teaching? What do I need to convey to the students? And so I think my relationship with gut tech has evolved a lot in just the last five years. Mm. And okay. So yeah. Uh, yeah. First of all, congratulations for having that going on for five years. And like as you and you talked about evolution and we're talking about Southern California and responsibility. Um, I guess California, what the little I've seen is that, you know, especially in the South Asian population, all the kids have like 10 different things going on. It looks like they're trying to prepare from Berkeley for at the age of five. I don't know how that works, <laughs> yes, but they are so. with, with their, everyone has like seems to have like everyone's going for perfect academics, extracurricular, something. And like uh, some and all that going on. So amidst all of that, Smitali, how do you bring uh, how does Katha come into their lives? How do you get them to make, make that part of it and not be, make it beyond just say a hobby? You know, not, and- yeah, absolutely. And you're right. And you know, there's a huge South Asian population here, and there's probably like at least eight Gatha teachers that teach in Orange County. I mean, it's. There's so much interest and other Indian classical dance forms, you know, and of course, a lot of Bollywood. So there's a lot of opportunities. And I think, you know, what's nice is that there is an interest that these many schools are thriving and, and successful. And I mean, I think, you know, people come for different reasons. I have parents who are bringing their kids because they want them to stay connected to the Indian culture. I have parents bringing their kids because they want them to get a strong foundation in dance and maybe have other interests, not pursuing Gathak. So I know that my time with each student may be short-lived. And of course, Gathak takes years to develop and establish. So, you know, I think my goal is to share just the beauty of the art form and to offer that same experience that I was talking about, that little bit of like when you do something that you feel passionate about, that you really connect with, it gives you a sense of this joy that I think we've all felt when you're in the zone and things are happening and it just feels really good. And so I feel like I'm using Gatak as that medium to like, especially the young kids that maybe are doing multiple things. It's like helping them to just connect with Gatak while they're there, because I don't know how long they'll be with me. And it's such a deep art form. It's like, for me now, the responsibility is making sure what I present is like really pure pieces of what Gatak is all about. If the kids are doing, say, swimming in class and this and that, you know, Riyaz is a big part of it because uh, like in Kalsak, it's one of those things you don't practice. You kind of sometimes end up doing the same class again and again till you pro- progress. So for you, how do you in, like encourage your students to practice if they're falling behind of that not if they tell you that they're too busy or they don't have the time? or Yeah, absolutely. I think that's like the every Catholic teacher or, or dance, classical dance teacher or music, music teacher would probably say they have the same challenge. And, yeah. and I kind of understand that, you know, live, their lives are much busier than mine was growing up here. So, you know, what I think is important for my students, and this again is based especially towards kids, Mm-hmm. because they're still growing and developing is that like I make sure my relationship with each student is mm-hmm. is established and that they know that I care and that they know that I I see them and that their presence is important to me and I you know there's different ways of teaching and I think the old school way was a little bit like scolding and like beating it into the kids and I Literally. I find that for me, that doesn't work. Like that's totally not my style. And I find that it's just my, that's my job 
is to constantly remind them. It's to lovingly encourage them. It's to keep pushing the importance of practice and Riaz. And, you know, I have to say, as you know, I'm learning from Pandit Divyang Vakil. And, you know, he's always like that. Like when I meet with him, you know, he's like, did you practice? No? Okay, fine. You need to do this. Like you, did you do this homework assignment? And he, and he's like, I feel worse, but he's like lovingly saying, you really need to work on this. And I'm like, yes, I know, Guruji. But but, but he'll push me with love. And I, I found that to just be so refreshing. I was like, he's so patient. He will never get mad. I mean, he doesn't even show disappointment, which, you know, I'm disappointed if I don't do as much as I want to, but he won't show that to me. And I appreciate that so much. And so I feel like, and I know I told you last time, like, Having those gurus and mentors who give, set a good example is mm-hmm. so valuable. And, you know, my push isn't performing like I love teaching. I really love sharing this art because mm-hmm. I think it's the most beautiful thing. And so having these positive role models. So for me, it's like it's got to be with love. I mean, one of the things I started again last year since we were virtual, I'm like, how do I push my students, adult or kids. So I started giving homework assignments. And I said, you send me a video. It'll be paranth. Show me tal while you're doing it. Okay, next week. Now show me a video. You're sending me the Torah and you're going to dance it. And then I took the time to also offer feedback. It's not Mm. like, okay, I saw it. Yes, good job. Good job, everyone. I sent a video back. You know, and if it was kids, it was very encouraging. If they were older students that can understand corrections better, I offered very detailed feedback. And I went through the Torah and I said, this angle is not correct. This jucker, your elbows are falling. So I took that time as well because I feel like we had to connect even more because we were not even seeing each other. I do like the fact that you send video feedback because I think from a student perspective, it is actually challenging for for students to get like uh, get feedback from the videos because sometimes you just get okay, it looks good and all that, and sometimes you don't get anything and you have to like bug them in class again. So that is a thing that sometimes you know if, if students send videos, you may not hear back from them. So that's always fun. Uh, yeah, and I like I like your system on that. And uh, Sundari, before we talk about Guruji and everything, because one, uh, what I found really interesting there was that the way he teaches you and you're in his senior batch and uh, and I'm in the junior batch and that's kind of exactly what he tells us as well. So that's very fascinating to me. But Sundari, mm-hmm. one thing I was very curious about since you're kind of teaching kids and uh, some adults as well, one, uh, and I want, and this is kind of a, this is kind of a hard question. So more of an open-ended okay. one because I don't know the answer to this. I don't know if there is an answer to this. Does it need an answer? So what I've noticed is that um, in the US, and this may happen otherwise, but I just know the trend here. Like you, you get to high school, you do your rangmanch, and Kathak then disappears from your life. In general, I've seen this trend where people will go at it hard till high school, then it goes away from in college, and sometimes it doesn't even come back. People just say, what did it when I was a kid? Um, what do you think is the solution to that? Do you think that does it need to be a solution? How, what should we do about it? I guess I said we, but I'm not doing anything about it. But what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> so, so this is an interesting conversation because this has come up. So I love connecting with other Gathek teachers because I feel like we also need a community of understanding how others do it. There's so many different systems, you know, and especially because I was born and raised here. So like, South Asian community was so tiny back then, like there were maybe one or two Gathic teachers back then. So I didn't even get exposure to a lot. And then there were some up north in Northern California. But so like for me, it's really important to to connect. And there's this whole like to test or not to test. Mm. And so like when I was growing up, there was no testing at any of the Gathic schools here. So that wasn't even a concept for me. And then as I started getting into teaching, I did a lot of research and understanding of like what's standard. And then I even I would get asked by parents, like, do you do testing? And I was like, what is this testing? And I, I think, so here's my 
here's what I feel like to kind of go back to your question. I think, you know, the culture here in the West is very, and maybe it's more like that everywhere these days. People want to accomplish something. They want the proof. They want the certificate. It doesn't matter if it's a one day online course. Like we need to show that we spent our time and we did building our resume. Like you said, kids are doing a million activities. Yeah. And it's just about how it looks. And I guess my, you know, this is a, a little bit of a controversial topic, I think, for, yes. for different Gatuk schools and teachers. But like for me, the test doesn't tell me if you understand how to apply what you've learned. It doesn't tell me, like to me, that doesn't make a dancer and an artist. Hmm. It just gives you a paper. And so I think, you know, I don't know, there wasn't even like a rangmanch. Uh, when I was growing up, like mm -hmm. there were no, there, there were Bharatanatyam Arangetrams, but right. there was no Kathak Rangmanch. Like you just keep learning. And I think it just takes that time mm -hmm. to understand, like, it's a process. Like there's, you can always learn. There's no, um, there's no end. And it's almost why, like, even though I, I've teaching, I'm running my own school. I've actually since teaching felt like, I need to go back and find gurus again. Like mm. there's so much more that I want to understand so that I can pass on at least a small portion of it. Um, and I think there's something so beautiful about that, that something is so rich. You can spend a life on it, but I don't know that the culture here supports that. And I, I think if you promote that, this is your end goal. We got to do this. Let's go. Then, then that's what people are going to assume that that's what they have to do to, if they're going to do the art, they need to get the certification. But I, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, it is one of those things where you kind of wonder and you, know, it's almost like you'll see where it goes. One thing I found which is very interesting as a result of talking to Vasakas in the in India and the US is that when we it's to a point right now culturally where when you talk about rangmanch in the US we're talking about the graduation ceremony, but in India the rangmanch ka tokra is essentially a way is a kathak piece, and 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 they're doing rangmanches multiple times not because they're graduating multiple times, it's just that that's the kind of form. It's, it's just it's a form in it's a form in which Kathak is presented. So it's very interesting how we think about rang, the concept of rangmanch itself in US and India. There's a mm -hmm. kind of a difference there. And coming to your gurus, I guess yeah, I guess starting with I guess we tend to start with Alvidya. Uh, so Sindari, for you, how did you discover Alvidya? How did that come about to you? So I I went to the New York Gatak Festival mm -hmm. uh, the first year, um, and that was where I met Guruji. I mean, he gave a lecture, and it was on Thal. And it was always like I always felt like my understanding of Thal was on the weaker side. It was something I wanted to understand beyond books and things. And I mean, he, he gave like a one or two hour lecture, but as I'm sure oh, wow. you know, like the way he breaks things down and he had us composing our own like five different types of the highs and he broke it down in these formulas. And it was just like mind blowing of like the, how he could break it down so simply, you know? And I, I was just like, and it was so understandable. I mean, he's very formal. And like I said, I grew up here. So he, he's got a very understand, good understanding of the Western sensibility and like way of speaking and connecting. So it just felt so comfortable. And I'm like, literally, before I left the festival, I met him and I'm like, I need to learn from you, Guruji. And I like took his card and, and then just started like within, I think that was, I don't know, in April. And then by May, I was like, starting lessons from him understood and so that, yeah, i guess i'm very curious so i'm in the beginner batch and we are kind of learning culture as we learned alvidya kind of thing but for you kind of when you're in a senior batch you have people who've been doing it for years around you what 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 is it like learning talvidya from them with their peers and occasionally performing as well would love to know that um, experience yeah so i think it's actually a beautiful experience so you know Per, right now, I'm actually just meeting with him one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. um, nice. and 
part of it was also because I knew I, I'm teaching and he's so open with his material and passing on information. So I wanted to make sure I could ask him those types of questions mm -hmm. as well. Like, yeah. and so, but, but, you know, I've done some of these other projects through him with other artists. Um, and I have to say one of the most interesting things is like just appreciating how different everyone's experience and background is like mm -hmm. everyone's uh, level of understanding, everyone's ung, everyone's like seeing that there are others like for me, like I was um, I guess I felt like I could have had a broader training in Thalvidya, but mm. it was so narrow. There were so many things I was hearing for the first time. And I think initially I just felt like, how could I have not heard this before? How could I have not been introduced to this? But but then seeing that there are others who are similar and, and it kind of makes you feel like, okay, it's not like just me, like mm. I'm some oddball out there, but there needs to be more appreciation and understanding and knowledge of Thalvidya. So, you know, I haven't had a chance to learn with others, but I've done some of his workshops, like some of the advanced workshops. And it's just nice that, that it's all arranged. Like it feels like a community and we're all interested in working together and trying to help each other, um, that's that's wonderful that you have that community and that helps and so that yeah i'm very curious like for you if as someone who's been learning it for years when you add the uh, you are at talvik as a separate subject and you add that to your repertoire how does how have you seen your katha grow as well yeah so i mean just you know what I what I love about Gurji's style, which initially was overwhelming, was like he just starts throwing compositions at you and you're like trying to scramble and just write everything. And but it's like now I can totally see his whole like perspective, which is like you just need to build up this library. My I had this small library, right? It was just very just because we often just go to one guru, we're in one path. So you don't see and you're not exposed to. He just broadened my library. And so it's just like, I feel like understanding Thal, understanding how to compose, understanding how to create ung on bowls, understanding kind of the families of bowls within Gathak. I mean, in, a, in so many ways, I've... I'm seeing how complex it is and like how amazing it is. And like he pushes a lot of like upaj and like understanding that really the intention behind Gathak is to be able to just spontaneously roll with the tal and like come and go and land on some and then go again and land, you know, and it, it's not just about these preset compositions and, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm still trying to, uh, to get comfortable with that but it's it's I think helped to just open my eyes to like this is where I was and then there's like so much going on beyond it so understood uh yeah so it helps you kind of expand that library kind of build up your own composition and kind of expand your knowledge base that way and yeah thank you for sharing that um for me, I didn't have much of a knowledge base before that. I just knew a few of them. So this is, is going to be my knowledge base if I do this for a long yeah. time. So yeah, 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 yeah. It should be fun that way. And what I really like is, it's nice to hear that even senior students are scrambling to write because that's something I do. <laughs> yes. And um, since I'm one of his old, like, older students in that batch, I don't mind asking him questions like, hey, I didn't get stats that. And, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That that's fine with me because I've been stopping teachers and asking them to repeat all my life. So that's a good yeah. Thing to have. No, and he he makes you feel comfortable about mm -hmm. it. And I think I'm just like I'm always still in awe. Like he's so open with his compositions. Mm. I don't think I've met or come across a teacher who's just so who's not guarded, who's not concerned. And I mean, some of the things he shares and posts even on social media are like such beautiful, like so intricate. So um, I, I don't know. It's like, it's just like, 
it's just amazing. You know, like I feel like this is kind of how we all grow and support mm -hmm. and push the arts up, like when everyone's just open and no one is guarded. And I'm I'm really grateful again, like to have a role model and a mentor and a guru like that. So then it reminds me too, you know, because it's so easy when a culture is one way to to then kind of perpetuate that culture because that's what you're seeing and that's what you're feeling is like the way it should be. Right. And in a way it kind of breaks that cycle that you know you was you you get compilations and you just and you were said these are secrets and then you kind of say the same thing and kind of you're like, oh I need to guard these. I need to, you know Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's kind of freeing in a way. That's what you know. And and the reason, so talking about gurus would be a good time to talk about uh, like the work with you do like Adhanishman Durgaji as well. Like, could you tell us a little bit yes. about her and your connection with her? Absolutely. So, um, so because of the pandemic, you know, I feel like all these teachers um, have just been so much more accessible, and I, um, it's it had been a few years since I've. I'd been going to a guru regularly. And as I said, once I started teaching, I really felt like I, I wanted to kind of go back a little bit to basics myself and, and kind of just get reacquainted with that. And I've always just liked her work and I've always felt like she was so graceful. And I feel like when I watched her perform, there was that same bhakti um, and devotion that I'm, I'm drawn to. So when I saw that she was offering classes, this was just in January. I mean, it hasn't been that long, but I, I will say she's made a huge impact on me already. And, you know, I joined her class and she's doing some group classes, you know, and some of the other students are, are in California as well. But it's like she similarly is so open and she shares things and she gives like feedback. She's she's watching us. She's sharing like the bhav behind the movement, you know, which I love because I feel like that's kind of where I feel connected to the dance. Mm -hmm. And so even if she's teaching a thora when she's explaining the angle or the ung, she goes into this bhav and the story and this mm. mood. And it's just such a nice, like holistic experience. It's not about the dance. It's about what you feel. It's about your frame of mind. It's about um, everything, like the whole experience of it. And she similarly teaches as though you're having a conversation, like at least with the audience. So what are you mm. telling them? What is the dialogue that's happening? Um, so I'm I'm just thoroughly enjoying my my classes with her. She's Lucknow, and I was trained in Jaipur, so it's also very eye opening to kind of mm. get introduced to a new like with detail. I've done workshops here and there, but just kind of regularly to get an introduction um, to a different style. Hmm. And I guess I found I might have found some similarity with the tal with your lessons you're taking. My I'm taking for that reason, but I, I I'm I, I'm pretty sure our Kathak classes are going to look different. So uh, so that you just set the stage for that. Like my classes with me right now are we do tatkar, we do chakras, we do hastak, we do kanda, one thought at the end, and that's it. So it's like we're trying to so for for us uh, for me I'm trying to figure out how to how how to get a chalk in that in a certain bpm and time or how to make my lines clearer or if that's the corner or that's the corner the slight things in that at your levels Mithadi, when you're when you're working with a senior uh, instructor and you're and you've been doing kathak for a while what do your classes look like because these are the things that kind of beginners deal with what are the things what are the kind of problems you're tackling or what are the things you're learning in a class so so similarly, I think, you know, I mean, this is more of like an advanced class. So we don't do those, the basics of Riaz, like exactly. she's expecting that we're coming, we're yeah, doing yeah. that on our own time. Um, so she spends her time focusing on teaching us different compositions. Um, and I think her... At least this is how it feels. Like, I don't want to speak for her, of course. But, yeah. like, I feel like she really wants us to understand the essence of 
the art form. And it's not about, it's not just about the lines, you know, kind of like what I was saying earlier, like she wants us to understand the mood that we're creating, where to, you know, if it's a button, like where is the bowls are different? How do we show that not just through the ung, not just through a movement, but how do we carry ourselves differently? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, like we were just working on some projects and one was like a shiv button. Mm -hmm. And so she, you know, she's like, how do you bring in the bhav of Shiva versus like you can be this petite, you know, slight person, but how do you then convert yourself? You know, and she herself is this petite woman, but when she changes her bhav, I mean, I feel like I'm totally enamored by her, <laughs> but it's like when I'm watching her, like I, I believe everything she's showing. And I think that's what she wants us to get from her classes. Like, yes, it's, of course she's teaching us compositions, but it's not just about learning steps and coming on some and, you know, hitting the bowls, but it's like, what are you showing? Like, what is, what is the mood you're creating? Okay. Understood. So just, uh, yeah, just, so from what I understand, the, the basics are something, you know, makes sense that you won't do it at your, in your classes, because that's something you've been doing for years. And you're learning on the compositions, particularly how you feel and how you kind of evolve into a character. So, um, and to follow up on that, Swizadi, I guess my obvious question here is you're serving two great gurus, you're serving Durgaji in Vata uh, classes, you're serving uh, Panditji with Alvidya, um, kind of, yeah, and, and you're running your own academy as well. How do you? How do you balance like like the Riyas part of it? Because there's Kachak to keep up with, there's Alvidya to do. How do you put? How do you put that into your daily life? How does the how does the progression look like for you? Yeah, so it's not always easy. <laughs> and like it. It, no, and there's hits and misses, you mm -hmm. know. And I think, um, I I just try to carve out some time mm -hmm. every day for my riyas. Right. And I think that's where, like, again, I appreciate Guruji. Because, I mean, he's also, he has his old spiritual teachings as well. So I feel like his, his Dalvidya also comes with like a helping of spiritual perspective. And so, you know, even he'll be reminding me, like, just, just recite, like, that is your Riaz. He's like, mm. if you're working on something for me, don't feel like you have to get up and do like your two hours of dance. He's like, you know, spend some time reciting, mm. spend some time with your parent or doing tal or creating. He's like, just play the leran and come up with your own baltas. And, and he's like, Riaz comes in many forms. And I think sometimes even I forget that. Like, mm. you know, it's like in my mind, it's like it has to mean putting on my kungurus and doing the tatkar and chakar and like all, going through like my checklist. Yeah. So now that my schedule is more full, I, I kind of look at it as like, anything I'm doing is part of my Riaz and hmm. trying to fit it all in. And, and yes, some weeks I miss and I, unfortunately I put, make sure my work gets done because I feel that obligation to my students. And so sometimes I slack on my own, hmm. um, you know, unfortunately, but I hmm. think it's, it's still a learning process. I no. think it's just, finding the ability to accept that it's not perfect. <laughs> yes, Mithadi, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I have a feeling you do great and you're being a little too hard on yourself. Uh, <laughs> but Mithadi, I guess if you could walk us through it, like for you as a Kathaka, uh, what, what does a Riyadh session look like? What do you start with? What do you end with? What do you like to put in there? What's usually always there? Would love to hear some of that. Yeah. So, you know, since I kind of take this approach, a lot of times it's like I'm a very visual person and I like to write things down as well. So if I'm like learning, let's say I've we've learned something in Durga Didi's class, like my part of my if I'm approaching it, like let's say one day I'm like, I'm going to work on this Dora. 
then it's like making sure I've written it out, making sure it's written in Thal, making sure I can do the parant of it in Thal. And then it's kind of like going through the motions of it, making sure I'm understanding the movement. So my, my Riaz is very unstructured. It's very like project-based. What, what do I need to work on today? So it might not be um, something in particular. And I kind of see those compositions is also my way of getting riyaz. You know, if there's a tora that has multiple chakras in it, that's me practicing that is also me getting my chakra riyaz. Wait, could you say the last part again? What did you say about chakra and riyaz? No, so I was just saying, like, I use the compositions I'm working on as my goal of that riyaz. So, like, if a tora has many chakras, me practicing the Torah is also part of me practicing oh. the chakras. Like, so I, I kind of have stopped dissecting it as separate. Now I'm also like, because I'm teaching multiple classes in the week, mm -hmm. I'm also doing some of those basic things in all my classes all week long. Okay. So I don't always, um, I always do that. Like I don't have a separate session. You know, I okay. think right now for me personally, I just, I don't have the time, you know, and then I have kids and my family and all of those things to manage. So it's like a priority list. I'm like, I need to work on these tukras. So mm -hmm. that's where I'm getting some of my riyas. And sometimes it means going through it slowly. Sometimes it means breaking down the movements and working on working on like if a Torah has, you know, not right now I'm getting a lot of new ung that's yeah. lakno that that my body doesn't feel comfortable. Mm. So it's like as I'm reviewing the button, I'm like reviewing this this movement over and over again to try mm. to get the ung in the flow of this button. But that's part of my riaz. It's like I'm focusing mm. on like, okay, how should my angle be? How should the extension be? Mm. As opposed to just practicing that husbuck oh. over and over again. That's pretty cool. Hmm. I've never thought of that that way. I've always thought of, okay, fine. Okay. We have to do the hashtag here, then the Torah is the Torah, and it's a separate thing. So that's interesting. Because sometimes I end up practicing parts of the Torah to get it right, and I realize I, I can, I, I'm essentially doing hashtags again. So that's fun. So Smita, I guess <laughs> um, I, one thing I want to understand. So Bhakti Bhav, are you the only, are you the only Kathak instructor there, or do you have like senior students helping you? What's this, what's the structure like? No, right now it's just me. So paint us a picture. Like throughout the week, you said you teach multiple classes. So what, when, when do you teach what class? Can you tell us, give us a little bit of an idea of your sure. schedule? Sure. Yeah. So a lot of it is like location-based. Hmm. So like if I'm at a studio, I might teach like on Sunday morning, I teach four classes mm -hmm. back to back because I've got this block at the studio. Mm -hmm. And... And then I come home and then I have two more classes in the afternoon. So it's very, it's very uneven. Monday, I've got another three classes in the evening. Tuesday, I go teach two classes in the evening. And then Wednesday, today, I have a rehearsal that I do. And then I have my class. I've got a couple classes with Durga Didi. So mm -hmm. tomorrow morning, I'll have that class with her. And then I'll have Guruji in the evening. Oh. <laughs> We have our Sangeet Satsang this week, which I've been going to with Gurji as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then my group class with Durga Didi. So, like, I feel like every day I'm I'm dancing or doing something related to Kathak. Just, uh, so yeah, just looks like a part of your every day. And so do you get time to stop, like have lunch, eat and stuff like that? Or is it like super Oh, sick? yeah. No, of course. I mean, I think I've actually had to force myself to find the downtime, like if I'm teaching in the evening for three hours, I'm going to take two hours of rest and relaxation, you mm. know, in the afternoon um, and try to find that balance. And, and, you know, like part of that includes making sure I love going for walks. Like that's part of my, it's reframing my mind, I think, because I never planned on this path and I'm not following someone's example of like, mm. what does the teacher or dancer do mm. and so, so it's like finding 
that time. I mean, in some ways, I'm grateful that I can do this full time. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I'm like, this is like, it's always there. Like Mm -hmm. anybody I'm sure who owns their or runs their own business. It's you never go away from it. Yeah. (laughs) That's fair. And if I I could ask you to brag a little bit about yourself based on like, since you had students for five years and stuff, uh, what are the things that you feel your students like about you? What are the reasons that you feel they stick to you and you're kind of on the journey with them? What have you heard about that? Um, so let's see. I think, I think that connection I try to make with my students has mm-hmm. been successful. Um, and a lot of that just comes from my, I really love teaching and connecting with students. And so, you know, I'm always trying to find that way of making the class fun. If we're practicing Dathgar, I'll be like, Dathgar contest, we're going to, I'm going to increase. So like they're all, we're all doing just basic Dathgar. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to increase the lay. Every cycle is going up 10 beats per minute. And then we go, and I'm like, if you miss a step, you have to sit out and then we go, go. So now they're like, oh, I don't want to be sit out, you know? So they're like going really fast and working on that or, So do they know, rat some... each other out or you're the person who has to like- No, no, I'm, I have to, I have okay. to kick them out. Okay, okay, okay. But it's like to them, it's like, we've just turned it into a, a fun game, mm-hmm. you know, or sometimes I'll take, um, I'll take- non-traditional music and we'll do something fun with it or if it's holy like sometimes what I've done in class is we've taken little scarves and then we throw them around and pretend we're like playing holy or we have a little fun um just imagining you know and that this is with kids of course not with adults so so I feel like that's part of my like connecting with the kids helping them to connect with the dance that this isn't some Thing, oh, that's our Gatha class. It only fits in this environment. It only goes to this music. Um, and same with the adults. You know, I'm very informal. I I just want to keep making sure they appreciate the art. So I take that interest. You know, I think having the, that feedback that I was giving everyone last year made a big, big difference. I got a lot of positive response on that, that they appreciated right. Mm-hmm. my my time on that um yeah yeah, thanks for sharing. <laughs> yeah. that contest thing sounds fun just to I, I guess even for someone else to watch and see that. yeah especially with this the stakes are high so yeah yeah they are <laughs> so uh yeah Smitaji, i guess then since we're talking about um i think we touched upon it like we uh, since we talked uh you said you you know to mix it up a bit yeah, you, you can kind of throw in a non-traditional song as well. But you've also mentioned that you like your Kathak to stay true to the art form. So uh, how I guess when you're doing that and you're trying, uh, you know, part of it is kind of having fun with it, part of it is being true. So how how does that balance play out when you're teaching and practicing? Yeah, so see, this is also an interesting topic. So mm-hmm. when when I started teaching mm-hmm. um and this was something my my first guru had done she and it was considered very modern it was like before all this stuff was very mainstream these days but she would have us do gathak on like non-traditional music mm-hmm. and so at the time it just felt really unique and nobody else was doing it and again there weren't a lot of other artists here that i could even compare and see and and for me that made a huge difference you know like she would take something from U2 or Sting or Gypsy Kings and then we were doing pure traditional Gatak but the music choice was a little bit different right and for me like I never connected to Gatak because it was Indian because I actually kind of rebelled against being Indian growing up because I was Outcast, you know, like it. It wasn't as people were not as open about it, and uh, or even aware of what it means to be Indian or South Asian. Um, so for her to then bring it into my world of like Western music, yeah, really helped me to connect with it. And so, okay. so when I first started teaching, I would do that as well. But here's the thing, like 
Then after a few years, I would get requests Mm -hmm. of, can we do a Western song? Can we? And then I started to feel like, well, maybe it's doing a disservice Hmm. because it has to be tied to the tradition and the tal and the music. Like, I think when you have enough understanding, you can then apply it. Yeah. But if they're only seeing it connected to non-traditional, not, not that I didn't do anything traditional, yeah. but I would, once they started getting requests, I felt like maybe I'm not passing it on initially giving them that foundation of where the beauty of Gatek is. Mm-hmm. And these days, I don't know if it's just because I'm in the field, I'm more aware there's so much fusion happening and so much of it is given the name Gatek when there's such little Gatek actually mm-hmm. present. Like, so for me, like if I use different music, but the movements had to be pure and traditional Mm. um, and not incorporating any other style. I mean, I don't even know any other style of dance, but it had to be within the frame of like, these are Gatek movements. Um, So now I'm kind of, kind of going back and backtracking and trying to go back to more traditional pieces and Mm -hmm. making sure like, so that's where I feel like my responsibility is to, help kids if they don't understand the music or they don't understand the lyrics like now it's my job to help them to understand why I'm picking this song or where is the meaning behind this song and how are we connecting you know I remember sometimes and that's probably just my like not understanding the language doing movements to a song and not really understanding that my mudras are actually depicting the lyrics or what I'm showing. So I feel like now if we're doing a Ganesh Vandana, like breaking down each movement Mm -hmm. and each word and connecting that so that they can still find the meaning behind it. Okay. I see. So when you said breaking down, that's just literally going word by word and explaining the meaning and then showing it how how it moves. Yes, and then that was their homework last year too. Okay, send me a video, recite the, you know, the the little Ganesh Vandana shlok that we're learning, hmm. you know, so so that I know they're connecting to it. So then they don't feel like it has to be applied to other music or other okay. other styles. And I think that goes back to like I feel like I don't want to lose the integrity of mm-hmm. how beautiful Gothic is. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Thank you for walking us through the process. Thanks for being so honest about what you were doing, what you weren't doing, and where you are right now. And yeah. we're talking about integrity, talking about, uh, I think next thing would be talk, good to talk about representation that, you know, recently uh, when the, the, the Kathak episode of Mira the Royal Detective came out, it was kind of became very popular. People really appreciated how true it was. So especially Kathakas really appreciated the little details that kind of came out. Can you tell us a little bit about your involvement in the project and how it came to be so accurate to the art form? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so you know, I'm good friends with Nakul Dev Mahajan, and he has his running a huge Bollywood school here and probably one of the first actual Indian dance schools that opened up in this area. So it was kind of unheard of and you know he um he has a real appreciation for classical dance and growing up in the 80s and 90s a lot of bollywood actually incorporated classical dance movements more so than today where there's like Mm. more hip-hop happening so he he um, you know, he had reached out to me previously too. To he's learned Gathak before, but you know, wanted to brush up on it. So we really connected, and he's working on this project. It's really all because of him. Like I, I yeah. didn't do much, but he was working on this project. And I think, from what I recall, and I hope I'm not m- making a mistake on this, the producers or writers. One of them had learned Gatak and wanted to do a story on Gatak. And so that was their origination. And of course, you know, he's doing a lot of choreography. So he was, and I've probably talked to him numerous times about how there is a lot of fusion out there and it creates 
confusion because people <laughs> then see the label of Gathak or see a mudra and think that that's pure Gathak. And, you know, even sometimes it hasn't happened recently, but I would get like parents of students saying, watch this video. And they're sending me a video of Gathak fusion. And I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. They're, they're not clear on what Gathak is. And that's where I felt like I need to go back, not just to educate my students, but the families need to really understand mm -hmm. like Toras, we're not learning items. Like these are compositions and you have to, it's like, stringing letters together to make a sentence you have to understand how the letters are formed before you can put them together so you know i think knuckle just having a respect for the art being such a good friend wanted to pull me into this to give him some guidance to make sure that it was being represented properly and and he knows enough like you know there was so many little details on the show that just came straight from him mm -hmm. in terms of like how to show the footwork or how to hold some of the movements but he just wanted kind of that reassurance of like is this is this correct is this happening um, and it was nice that the show itself also wanted to represent it properly because I think, you know, in the last few years in the U.S., we're hearing a lot about cultural appropriation and people mm. kind of showing or using the culture. And I think sometimes that even happens within the Indian culture where it's okay. like things get called semi-classical, but there's such little classical in it. Like, why why even use that name? Like, what mm. are we going for? Or people doing things, um, calling it Kathak or mm. Bharatnatyam or classical, but then their dress or something else is like almost, I guess, in my opinion, disrespectful to the art. Like, it goes completely like wearing shoes and you're like, but then you're not, <laughs> if you're calling it classical, like you should know enough about it and and for me that's like the topic of representation like like if you're going to choose to show it then do it properly understood and thank you for going to the background i didn't know about the producer and writer being in kathak and it's good to know that people want to do it the right way and there's an interest in that and happy to hear your the role you played with that so thank you for that uh Sridhari. So we've actually covered everything we wanted to cover. And so that I guess for the last question, I have two options for you. Let me know which one you prefer. So one is like, we can do future projects. Like what is, what, what is the future look like for you? What's the future of Another thing we can do is what would you like your legacy to be? Which one do you want to go with? Probably. Hmm. Or you, if, you, if you have a secret question of your own, we can end with that too. Not breaking. <laughs> This secret question. Yeah. No, I don't think I'm, I don't think I feel established enough to even think about a legacy. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I'm, I'm good with future projects. Okay, so yes, Mithali, I guess for you, for you, for Bhaktiva, what does the future look like for you? Yeah. So, you know, um, if I'm totally honest, I'm, I, I haven't, created a long-term plan. I mean, not that I'm going to stop. I, I want to keep going, but I yeah, think I've like discovered, it. yeah, in the last five years that things go in unknown ways. And I think it's just better to be open-minded of it. I mean, if I had talked about what I hope and wish is that, you know, I hope that whatever students come through Bhakti Bhav, no matter how long they stay, it could be one year or 10 years, but that they walk away feeling like they're like, oh, I, I learned this beautiful thing. Hmm. You know, it was a good experience, no matter how long it was, no matter where they go with it, or like, I don't need my students to pursue Gathak or to think, or to even think it's the most, um, beautiful thing as as I do like I feel like I want them to walk away going oh look how look how passionate she is about this like what am I passionate about what what was my experience of gut peck is there something else that that makes me feel this way you know it's almost like realistically if they walk away with that I think it will serve them and hopefully in the process there will be a good handful of students who like really love gut peck and think it's the most beautiful thing as well. Um, I mean, project wise, I'm, 
I always love collaborating with my peers and like I said, meeting other teachers and dancers and and I I'm truly loving my continued learning. And I mean, I just hope I feel like I'll be a student forever. So that's my <laughs> to stay a student forever and to keep learning and growing. Understood. Uh, I really like what you said about either inspiring them to do more Kathak or inspiring them to find what they love because you love Kathak and in that I think that's a great sentiment there and I love that you're doing that and one thing I did forget to mention in the beginning is that I wanted to say thanks to Pandit Devyang Vakiluji because I discovered you through his page of course because that's where I saw you performing as well and oh with, yeah yeah so and with that kind of bring this episode to a close with that it was great uh, talking to you I love how your the warmth you bring to thing and the way you you articulate about Kathak it's really beautiful thank you thank you thank you so much for having me it's always great to meet another Kathakar and I love that you're doing this podcast I think it's wonderful I think you know the great thing about social media is that we can connect and learn about other artists and so it's it's just like getting to hear their stories and experiences even though I can't meet with everybody but to see those shared perspectives or to hear something a little different and something a little fresh it's it's really enlightening so i think this is a wonderful thing you're doing so i wish you a lot of success in this as well 